we didn't know anything about anything that we're doing when we started being it. No manufacturing, nothing about products, CPG, CBD, partnerships, influencers, all that stuff. So that was kind of all figuring out on the fly and just the hard way. Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hey guys, welcome back. We have a great episode today with Matt, the founder of Beam. This is such a fun episode. We recorded it a month ago now, so I'm excited to finally get it released. Yes, it was really great. We've both tried Beam before, but it was just so fun to hear his story about how he and Kevin founded it. I think the best part about this story, which we posted about actually, is that neither of them knew much about CBD before launching this business. It was something they came across and wanted to try and then just learned literally everything about it so they could launch their own CBD company. Yeah, that thought was spinning through my mind the whole time we were recording with him because he really is now. I mean, of course, he founded this company, but he's like an expert about all things CBD. And even the way he talked about running a business, like he seems so knowledgeable and it really was affirming to realize that you don't have to be an expert in something to want to pursue it and to start something like that. If you feel a connection with it, you can learn. And then a few years later, you could be running a successful company. So it was really cool. Yeah, I love that message. So honestly, a great episode if you want to just learn more about CBD. It's like definitely become more of a trend and you see it around all the time. But do people really know everything about CBD and like what a cannabinoid is? So it's really informative, but then also super inspirational because the story of them founding it is just so cool and just make starting your own business so approachable. We'll talk about our experience with Beam in a minute, but I loved Beam. It's definitely the best CBD that I've tried. I loved everything from the actual product itself to their branding. And then that was kind of like the thought process behind wanting to have him and Kevin, him and or Kevin on the podcast was that we love the product so much. So, so when we planned to have them on, we didn't know much about like how they started or either of them or their story or anything. And then before leading up to it, I listened to them on a couple of other podcasts and I was already in love with the product. And then I kind of fell in love with like their story and thought it was so cool. So it was really an awesome experience to talk to him. And like Mia said, hear more about how they navigated starting a business. It's on so many different levels like just starting a business in general, having it be a successful business. It was actually voted one of the best companies to work for. And then just the fact that they're two best friends doing it together, which of course we relate to, but also is just so interesting because there's so many things that there's so many pros to doing something with your best friend. And also so many things that are like a little bit harder to navigate, especially something like that. When you're starting a company, you're going to have so many disagreements and, and different things that you have to go through. And then having that not affect the friendship. And it seems like it even brings them closer together. So really, really cool. You guys are definitely going to love the episode. And then of course we talk about more of like his personal life as well, which was fun to hear about. And then we wrap it up with our regular rapid fire questions. And hopefully eventually we'll have Kevin on too and hear his perspective, but it was really fun talking to Matt. Yes. I wish Kevin was here because like you said, it was we're friends that started our podcast together and they're best friends who started their company. And yes, he mentioned in the episode, like most of the time when founders break up or co-founders break up, it's because of ego or greed. And I referenced in the episode that we had recorded with so many couples who work together or like duos, like sisters, like Abby and her sister who founded Siren. And we talked to Colleen Wachab, who started Mind yeah. Body Green with her husband and like 
who else? I feel like, oh, and over an episode we haven't released yet, which was a mother-daughter duo. I just feel like when you're working with someone and have that like close friendship, it just makes your working relationship. I mean, of course, it could probably go completely south, but I feel like in most cases, you have that transparency and honesty and you can be really real with each other and you just have more of an intimate relationship that kind of makes your working style more intimate. Yeah, and Matt and Kevin were both professional athletes and both, you can tell, have that really competitive nature and also just eager, kind of like hardworking, all of those attributes that you would think of when you think of a professional athlete and an entrepreneur. So I think that they like, I feel like he was really modest about it in the episode, but they've done an amazing job. I think what a big launch in like 2019 and it's Mm -hmm. only a few, a couple years later and they're already doing so well and they're making a product that's great. You can go to their website and read all of the reviews and you can tell that it's definitely a very quality product. So we actually want to talk about the product itself a little bit because we usually talk about new things that we're trying, but we've both been using Beam for a while. So we thought it would be fun to talk about after you guys listen to the episode. I'm sure a lot of you will be interested in trying it if you haven't already. So you can definitely head to their website and order some for yourself. But I've been using it for since it launched, actually, because it launched right after I started using CBD. I mentioned it a little bit in the episode, but I started using CBD as a method of recovery for running when I was training for a lot of races at the time. And Matt says in the episode, he was like a hockey player, so he wasn't used to like distance running. I I was a runner, so I felt like I was kind of, I thought that I was good at recovery and that my body was in a good spot. But when I started going from half marathons to marathons, I was just constantly not only like physically exhausted, but just my muscles were always really sore and tight and it became kind of like the norm. But then when I heard that people were using CBD for things like inflammation and muscle recovery and everything like that, I decided to check it out. But it's kind of funny because this has a lot to do with why they started Beam. But at that point, it was probably like 2017, 2018 CBD was like, not as mainstream that I felt like I was like buying drugs when I would buy it. Like I felt like I was doing yeah. something wrong. Remember Gregory's used to have CBD that you could get the CBD yeah. latte. And when I would get it before work, I would feel like I was like taking drugs before going to the office or something. Well, one time I was that too, because it was the same job that I was at when we used to go get the CBD lattes. But I also was just, I started taking CBD at around that same time. So I was talking to my coworker about it on Slack, like our company Slack. And she said, maybe we should take this to Google Hangouts. Like I'm not talking about this on the company Slack. And I'm like, CBD is not illegal nor bad. Like it, that's not like you're taking, it's not like you're getting high, which I guess there's like, we're more familiar. We've been users of it for years, but I guess there still might be some of that stigma that like CPD gets you high. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a little bit, I don't know if scary is like too intense of a word, but it, it did make me like a little bit timid the fact that there weren't really many mainstream companies and I didn't know what to use. So I was kind of just like buying one or even like when you're getting one, like in your latte at a place like that, you don't know like really what kind they're using or anything like that. Right. And even like the packaging, like what I said about loving beams branding, like all of the packaging would have have like a like marijuana leaf on it. Like, I just feel like it was so not, I don't know. It didn't really draw you in, but I did really benefit from using the product. Like I noticed a huge difference. I used it when I was training for the New York city marathon but not for the Chicago. And my, I know this wasn't the only reason, but my time was like nine minutes faster, which was, was, is like a big change, especially yeah, when that's you're huge. a time that's like 
three hours and 25 minutes. Like it's not like I was running like a five hour marathon. So nine minutes is a big chunk of that. And I felt good after all of my runs. I felt like it was really helping with recovery. And then, so when I heard about beam, I was like, okay, this looks like one that I could use regularly. And that like, I trust the ingredients and I like what I had heard of their story. So I started using it and then tried a bunch of their different products right now. Like the ones I use the most are the one, which is just the tincture and then the dream powder, which it makes basically makes a hot chocolate and then gives you the best sleep ever. But I was just telling Mia that the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and for some reason couldn't fall back asleep and then just took a dropper of my beam tincture. And then I fell asleep and had the best sleep that I've had in so long. So it definitely relaxes me taking CBD and it kind of, we talk about it in the episode, but it kind of like does different things at different times, depending on really what you're using it for. Yeah. I first started using CBD because not for like you, where you used it for like recovery. I had struggled with sleep my whole life, basically. It's actually gotten so much better now. And maybe that is attributed to CBD, but Yeah, I would lay like restless and anxious. So I started taking CBD for that, like to fall asleep better. But I also do just feel like anxious during the day and want to feel more focused. So I and still do. I do still experiment with a lot of brands, but for specifically feeling more focused and less anxious and more calm during the day, the one tincture is so good. I feel like I I would take that like during work or in the morning and the afternoon before we record, like anytime I just wanted to feel a little more grounded and less anxious and be able to focus. I still like, I have not tried the dream latte or dream drink before bed, but I definitely need to after hearing Matt talk about it, especially I feel like that will solve a lot of my night sleep issues, which has gotten better, but I would, I would explore all different types of CBD and Matt talks about how his are not derived from THC and they're hemp derived. So they have minimal or no THC in them. I did tend to gravitate towards that type for when I needed help sleeping just because I needed something. I felt a little bit stronger, but I mean, I haven't tried dream, which I know has other adaptogens and other like melatonin. So they've kind of leaned into these different use cases. People take CBD for and then enhance them. So you could use the one tincture, like you said, it made you fall asleep faster or it makes me feel more focused. Like that could be your the one to be your go-to for all of these ailments. But then the cool thing that I love about Beam is they do understand why people are using them and then make the products even better to enhance that use case. So, so many great products at Beam. Yeah, it's so delicious. The hot chocolate like drink that it makes is so good, especially when I first got it, I was mixing it with water just because it says water or nut milk. And I I'm really stingy with my nut milk. So even my smoothies, I put water. I save my nut milk for yeah. when I really want it. But then I started mixing it with almond milk or hemp milk or like whatever kind of milk I have. And it's so good, like exponentially better. It's delicious. It's amazing. But I totally agree with what you said. I feel like they really hone in on what they want the specific product to do. And they have one for focus and they have obviously the dream. And then they have the, what they call the fixer, which was what their first two products were the one, which is just the regular CBD tincture. And then the fixer, which is the balm that you put on sore muscles, which I haven't tried, but I don't know why, because that's like the main reason that I use it. So I definitely have to try it. And then they also just recently launched non-CBD products. So very cool. Definitely recommend checking them out and trying the products. And if you haven't listened to last week's episodes, we had Christy on on Monday and we had Sari on a bonus episode on Friday and they were both such good episodes. 
episodes. So definitely go back and listen to them. And if you're loving the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. I agree. Those were two of my favorite episodes I think we've had last week. And this one is just completing a week of great episodes. So thanks so much for listening. And yes, look out for more question boxes because we do want to do more of those bonus episodes, especially some solos. Welcome back. Today we are joined by the co-founder of Beam, an all-natural, high-quality, trusted CBD wellness company to improve balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Matt Lombardi. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. We're so excited to chat with you today. So we always like to start by having our guests tell our listeners a little bit more about themselves. So where are you from? And tell everybody a little bit more about what you do at Beam. Yeah, that was a really good one-liner, two-liners of Beam. I don't know if that was for our website or not, but <laughs> that summed up Beam pretty well. I'm from Boston. I started Beam about two and a half years ago with my co-founder, Kevin. Kevin and I are co-CEOs too. We're not overly big on titles, but we run pretty flat, a pretty flat businesses in terms of the team. We're up to about 16 people now. And I don't know, it's not as black and white as... I do X, Y, and Z at Beam and Kevin does the other things. We're just very intertwined. And I think if I had to summarize, I think the thing we do really well is we collaborate on stuff and we often disagree. And through thoughtful disagreements, we usually find we get better outcomes through that. And, you know, just by ingraining that more in our team culture too, I think that's been one thing is we're just really collaborative and, you know, not everybody is always on every call, but we work in small groups of smart people. And within that, we think just good thoughtful disagreements and arguing and looking at different perspectives and different blind spots. So I guess I do a bunch of different stuff. (laughs) And you guys were voted one of the best companies to work for this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were on Inc.'s top places to work for. And it's funny, we've done, we've had some wins along the way, just like, you know, either through funding or involving brand partners or just, you know, achievements internally just around growth of the business. But I think that one, everybody was most excited about Kevin and I in particular, and Kelly, who's our VP of people. She works incredibly hard too, to help create and foster the culture that we have at Beam. And I think one of the more rewarding things just from Kevin and I's perspective and not to sound corny or anything, you know, what really mean is just, we all know life is short and you can only do so many things and time's our most valuable asset. And the fact that we have 14 other people who are putting their hearts and souls into the business and spending a lot of their waking hours focused on Beam. And we say that our team bleeds the Beam blue, it's kind of a tongue twister. So you just have to slow down when I say that. But really the way that that happens is your team answers questions. I don't know what they said. I don't know what the questions were, but they obviously spoke highly of their experience so far at Beam. So that, I think that's been one of the cooler things and hopefully we can do it again next year, but to create an environment like that, it's not easy. I think as many good cultures and work environments you hear about, there's, if not more, or as equal as many bad ones, talking to our friends and family and, you know, other places that they work. So yeah, culture, yeah, it's everything stems from that. And then the performance and the growth and what people do and other things that all kind of, that's at the center of it all. Right. I mean, I feel like any great company, it's really built up by the great people behind it. So it's really cool that you have become so successful as a company, but that Also, the people who are working for you are speaking the volumes of that, too. And I really like that you said you and Kevin disagree. You encourage disagreements from your team. I think that's so important to bring in different ideas and let everyone have a voice like that. But curious also how you and Kevin met. Like, what is your relationship? How did Beam even come to be? So we, Kevin and I both initially met at Boston College. 
Kevin played baseball at BC. I played hockey at BC. And then we both, so we initially met there. We had, we were both in the business school. We had a few group projects. We weren't very good students. Uh, I think we were just both <laughs> so focused on, I think our, towards the end of our collegiate careers, we started to figure school out a little bit more, but it <laughs> wasn't do. our strong suits. Yeah. Um, Takes a while. It Yeah. We definitely have a couple of professors that I think probably would be shocked with where we are today, but <laughs> So we initially met in school. We were friends. We weren't super, super close. And then we both played professionally for a little bit. Unfortunately, we both had different injuries that forced us out of sports sooner than we were hoping or had planned. And I think like any athlete, that's always a really tough transition to go through. And then serendipitously, we hadn't kept in touch after school. We happened to live in the same apartment building and I just bumped into him at the elevator. And then I have a great group of my hockey friends from school that live in Boston now and same with him with his baseball buddies. So we have this nice little group of, of BC alum, but him and I just like really, we become best friends or we became best friends just super fast when he moved back. And it really was centered around like our just passion for all things health and wellness. He was training for an Ironman with his wife at the time. So I would just jump in and, and work out with him. He dragged me into my first few CrossFit classes. And then we ended up training for the Boston Marathon together in 2018. And it was through that experience that ultimately led to beam mostly just because being a hockey player i've never done anything long distance before and my body was not feeling so hot after logging all these miles and kevin used to be a chronic migraine sufferer and trying to figure out a solution to help with that and that led us to our interest in cbd and feel free to interrupt the story at any point but you know when we were when we were athletes cbd and thc and cannabis and marijuana was a very different landscape and we obviously used to get drug tested so we never used anything with thc i didn't even know what thc was i just knew weed and marijuana I didn't know what a cannabinoid was. So we're reading about CBD, you know, reading it's in cannabis. I don't know what that means, but we're also learning that it helps with all these different things. And for me, it was aches and pains and inflammation. And for Kevin, he was really intrigued if it could help with his migraines and just stress and anxiety and things like that. And we became inquisitive enough to just end up trying a few different things. I was actually in LA at the time. So I went to Air One, which is a really popular organic grocery store here. And they had this big glass case, this cabinet essentially with all these funny looking things behind it that look like they would get you high. Kevin ordered something online. And from there, we just became more curious about, again, the space after realizing some profound benefits from it and taking that step back, kind of that experience of going to Air One, looking at it, being intrigued by it. But again, everything was kind of intimidating because it looks it looked like medicine. It looked like it would get you high. And then there's vapes and patches you put on your arm and you know tinctures you drop on your tongue and all these kind of weird form factors that as athletes once upon a time, or just as, you know, people trying to live healthy lifestyles, it wasn't really how we would take supplements, you know, like vital, you might think of about proteins or, you know, powders and capsules and just different things like that. So we started just to look more into it and realize like it's a booming market. It felt like a few years ago, like every 10 minutes, a new CBD company was launched. It slowed down a little bit in terms of that. But the other thing, it just seemed like there's this whole white space of opportunity around athletics and active lifestyles that no one had really taken a CBD or taken CBD in general and really educated people. It was this booming industry, but also a category that was so high in skepticism and so low in trust, which also created an opportunity if you can build a brand and educate people that part of the opportunity was just in that. And so Beam, Beam was born out of just that idea of let's think innovatively about this Let's think about the brand, how we educate the products themselves, the quality, you know, think of how the form factor is the stacks of ingredients. You can use the benefits people are wanting to use CBD for. Can we enhance those by stacking ingredients? So all of that kind of wrapped up led to, uh, we launched Beam right at the end of 2018. And we just were tabling at a yoga studio and a CrossFit gym and a juice store in Boston. 
very simple at the time, just an oil, just a tincture and a topical, just to get feedback, see if people are actually interested in this, especially in the East Coast versus the West Coast. And then 2019, we launched our website and feels like that was a decade ago. But yeah, that was that was the origin of it, really. I think like any startup, usually just a personal experience with something and seeing an opportunity to do something better. Yeah, that's very cool to hear that whole story, especially because I've used the Beam products since like 2019, since you guys launched. And I have a similar story in terms of like finding CBD in general as mm-hmm. when I was training for a marathon. And I remember that I hadn't really found anything that helped me with recovery until I tried CBD, but I was in a similar position. Like I didn't know anything about it. I was just kind of like, Oh, like, I guess I'll try it. And what you're saying is so true that like the packaging looked like it was like going to get you high or like, it was like a medical, like a drug. Like it just didn't seem like there was anything that had that fun packaging that you guys have. And when I did find one that I loved, I felt like I saw such a difference in things like marathon training, recovery, everything like that. But also it's so interesting because you also can use it to sleep and you can use it to help with anxiety. And like you said, Kevin had migraines and it helped with that. Why does it do different things for different people? Yeah, it's a great question. And that's where a lot of the skepticism comes from is just like, how does it help with sleep? At the same time, you can use it for these things that, you know, you don't want to be drowsy for. So the super, super high level is like a start at the top is just like you have the cannabis family of plants and there's hemp and there's marijuana. And try to keep this as simple because it gets complicated. And this is again why there is so much confusion. But in both of the cannabis plants, you have cannabinoids, and there's about a hundred or so of them. CBD is one, THC is another. Those are the two obviously most popular. THC is the one that has a psychoactive component that gets you or gives you the feeling of being high. When you extract the oil from marijuana, there's really, really high amounts of THC, lower amounts of CBD, and essentially vice versa in hemp. So all of our products come from hemp, where there's an abundance of CBD, really trace amounts of THC. And then with all of our products, we go through a process just to extract or remove all the THC. And then CBD, which is interesting. So there is no high to it. There is no psychoactive component. I still think there's a little bit of a placebo effect or misconception that people have that they'll still feel something I did when I first took it before I knew everything that I know now. But how it helps with so many things is interesting. Realize that we have in our body what's somewhat recently an endocannabinoid system. And essentially think of it as like your brain body connection to your brain, constantly sending off communications and signals and neurotransmitters telling your body how to function. And its main responsibility is to keep your body in balance. So just to make sure that all these different things from digestion, inflammation, going to sleep, all these functions you go through that you're in balance, that they're just, it's firing optimally. And obviously through life, diet, stress, work, whatever, we get out of balance a little bit and we feel the effects of that. CBD is really unique because it has components in it that support your endocannabinoid system, which then are impacting all these other benefits. So by incorporating CBD into our diet or into our routines, we're think of it as like little spark plugs for your endocannabinoid system to kind of do its job or to like get it back to being optimally working. So for sleep, it's not so much like taking melatonin or something to knock you out. It's more like your body goes through a process to get and have good cycles of sleep when that gets disrupted. So this helps that process be more efficient. Same thing with dealing with stress or anxiety, the chemical reactions going on in your body when you're going through those things. It helps your body manage those things and be more in balance with those things. And again, across a whole menu of benefits. So that's why it's so interesting. It helps with so many different things. And that's what we realized early on when we were just, we initially just had a CBD oil and a topical was that people are using our oil for all of these benefits that we're talking about from sleep, stress, anxiety, brain fog, et cetera. 
And so the century said, if people are using this for sleep, why don't we create a product that also has other ingredients good for sleep? So we have a sleep specific product versus just our vision was more again around innovation and, and functional benefits. So we, rather than having a generalist product that we were trying to market and channel, just confusing. It's like, how does this oil, you know, the everything cure? People don't really trust that. So that's what led to the creation of Dream as an example, where we pair CBD with magnesium and a little bit of melatonin and reishi, L-theanine. And chocolate. Um, and we made it into uh, hot <laughs> chocolate to make a great sleep product. So the Dream powder is a, a you know, community favorite and it's a yummy hot cup of chocolate at night before bed, but obviously it has all these benefits to help promote sleep. And we have our focus capsules, which have a bunch of adaptogens and nootropics and, and our CBD to help with brain fog and just mental alertness. Same thing with aches and pains. We have our revive capsules that pair CBD with a bunch of antioxidants, anti-inflammatory. So that's kind of been our take on it. I'm, now I'm going off topic a little bit from initial question, but with all those benefits that CBD has, we said, why don't we pair CBD with other stuff and really be functional and benefit focused so that's not just a, a generalist thing. And yeah, I'll shut up on that now, but that's, yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that was really interesting because I was drawn to CBD initially for sleep problems and insomnia, but then realized it really did help me focus. And I could use mm -hmm. the same tincture to fall asleep that I would use maybe before a meeting or before recording. Like I love to mm -hmm. have some CBD before recording an episode because I feel like it gets me really focused. But would you recommend, could someone do that? Or do you recommend getting all of the unique products for each individual purpose? And also like I know that you can also like apply CBD physically to your body for like aches and pains. So I've always been like intrigued by that aspect as well. In my opinion, and this is again, like by design with our product is that we focus everything in balance, energy, recovery, and sleep so that we sort of create a 360 model of supporting, you know, helping keeping people happy, healthy, and whole. We do have just our oil still and it, it still is a little bit of a generous thing. You usually more market that towards a solution for stress, anxiety, you know, needing to feel calm or some balance in your life. It also means because of the proponents of CB that we're just talking about, like it can be used before bed and other times throughout the day. But when you start to combine other unique ingredients like adaptogens and nootropics and other minerals and things like that, it's just, it's a better, it's a better benefit. It's a more specific function that you get from it. The focus capsule is an example. We, it's a smaller amount of CBD and we, you really do feel the alertness specifically because of some of the ingredients that are in there. Same thing with dream and, and the other, the other products. So I personally think that I like the more 360 approach of having different products for specific pain points you might have. And then topically, we do have a topical called the fixer, which is a beeswax base with some essential oils, primarily just the CBD as the active ingredient. And it's great for aches and pains and things like that, just because your skin and everything absorbs immediately into that. And that's, that's when you have, you know, arthritis, inflammation, tendonitis, it's been, I know I, I get tendonitis a lot just from working out and whatnot. It seems like a, almost like a little miracle topical. Wait, now that you're talking about products, I need to know what happened to the protein bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. We, so when we first started, I would say sort of what we have now in our, for our products, I mean, that was in our heads, I would say, you know, when we launched, I think it just, you know, from a starter perspective, it's perfect is the enemy of great. It's so hard. You can get paralyzed sometimes by wanting to do everything exactly the way you think you want to or have the perfect packaging or have the products that you wanted. And it just, at the like, we just need to get feedback and make sure people liked our idea or like our products. I think sometimes founders can get so wrapped around that they have such great ideas and they don't get enough validation to make sure people actually care about it. 
And so at the time we wanted to start innovating. We wanted to be different in the space. We didn't want to just have the same product offering as every company at the time. And we had connected with a manufacturing partner that was making really, really healthy snacks, vegan, gluten-free, organic, either raw or just very, very minimally processed. And we started making these protein bars. And the thought process was, you know, we're going to things like the CrossFit Games and different events. And we can't just be handing out these bottles of oil because they're expensive and we don't have that many because they're so early. The bars were a really cool way for us to do something innovative and different in space. They're really, I don't even think there was at the time a CBD protein bar. They're really healthy, how they were made. People argue whether they tasted good or not. They had a very I actually loyal, really liked them. Yeah, the people, the, the, I think the people that liked them were very passionate little followers. And then there were people <laughs> who just thought they tasted gross because they were so, I mean, they really were just those simple ingredients blended together, molded into a bar and packaged. They were, it was raw and unprocessed. Um, I used to eat like six a day. So. <laughs> Anyways, they're great though, because it gave us opportunities to get the brand out the more sampling. We go to events, just hand them out, et cetera. Ultimately, it just wasn't, if you want to be a bar company, you should be a bar company because it's a whole different category to be in. Um, there's a couple of things, CBD and food. One isn't overly efficacious, as we learned. Also, it's more complicated given the regulatory landscape. The cogs and the process of them, just because they were so, they were the best thing was to get a freshly made bean bar. It was like having like a warm cookie out of the oven because they were raw. And so, you know, every week we're manufacturing bars, it just kind of became a little inefficient. And so, as we were gearing up to launch Dream and our Clarity Powder, we saw that as opportunities to stop making the bars and focus now on this new innovation that we were at the size and scale that we had wanted to do. Yeah. So they, they were, I, I personally like them a lot. Every now and then I find one somewhere. I wouldn't eat it though. Cause it's, you know, well over expiration. Yeah. But, <laughs> I feel like it might've yeah. been, I don't know if it would have been you, if you would have been there, but I was in Austin for work and I like randomly wandered into the pop-up pop that you story. guys had there and uh, that's when i found the bars and i like got two packs of them and brought them back with me and i loved them but then i feel like before i knew it they were gone that's it <laughs> sorry sorry disappointing i, I actually <laughs> never made it to that pop-up store so you might have met kevin i think it might must have been kevin because i feel like it was yeah. one of one of you too yeah that's funny yeah they were they were tasty and from a business thing too i think we've always had a a philosophy of launch, iterate, test, and either just lean into it or cancel it. And that's one thing I think we've done well too. Kind of a completely different discussion though, is just you have to, you know, sometimes you can get hung up in deliberations on ideas like that. That was probably a 20 minute conversation, which at the time, you know, the, the size and, you know, every where we were and everything just to stop making these bars was kind of a big deal, but it took probably 20 minutes and there is no right or wrong, but it's interesting. Like we're able to do that in such a quick pace that I think that's part of why we've been able to continue to grow is just making, you know, fail quickly and inexpensively and just move on different sidebar of a conversation. But that's one thing thinking about when we decided to do that, I remember it was, kind of, it was a big deal, but it was really just like a 20 minute conversation. We looked at some data, we looked at where we're headed with our new products and products to come and just said, this just doesn't fit. doesn't make sense anymore. We'll move on from them. And then we had to deal with the small group of people who are upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's interesting. And like, it's so important as a small business and new business to pivot, but it's crazy that you only launched two and a half years ago. So how did you build up to become such a successful company or like a leader in the industry? What did it start with a lot of word of mouth and pop-ups like Carly went to, or how did it do you, like, what do you attribute that big growth to? It's funny, Kevin and I talk about it. I still feel like we just live on a knife's edge of being a complete failure or like 
a huge success. I don't know if that's just the nature of the stage that we're at or if that'll ever change, but I don't know that we ever think of our, think of ourselves or feel like we're a big success or maybe how it looks, you know, when you're not in the weeds of it all, but it sounds probably really simplistic, but I think we just, Kevin and I are really good at just, we move really quickly. We take action on stuff. We don't sit on ideas too long. And we've seen either, you know, other brands or employees or people I think the being able to have an idea and just execute on it and then to learn and taking the day doesn't mean everything's right. We've messed everything up that we could possibly mess up and made as many mistakes probably as anybody, if not more. So I think the thing we do, if I had to summarize, it would be we have an idea or vision or goal. We start working towards it, taking a bunch of action steps, and then we see what that gives us in terms of information or data. And then we iterate our process and then we just keep keep going. And it's like just like a rapid iteration process of moving very quickly. I would say very aggressively. In the early days, it was a lot of just like running around and doing a lot at once. I think today, now the most important thing we can do is know how to push our team really hard, but not to the point of burnout. I, I don't know if I'm giving you a clear answer. It's hard to say. Like I was going to say, I hope you attribute it to yourselves because it is really because you guys had this vision and that's what brought you success. Like all these little things that you're saying that you're being humble and saying them as like little things. But the fact that you guys had this vision of starting a company and what, like, I think you said like three weeks or something on another podcast I heard you on. And then like Mia said, you have grown so much. So it's definitely, I love all the things you said earlier about failing well, but I feel like those are such, that's such an important mindset to have. And just making those decisions quickly, I think probably had such a big impact on the success. Yeah. You have to be so decisive. <laughs> something I don't have. <laughs> well, I think, and I think the important thing, what you just said is knowing that is just as valuable as either having that or not having that. Cause then you put decisive people around you. And I think that's what we've yeah. done really well Yeah, <laughs> is that I'm assuming maybe that you guys compliment each other in that way. And that's not to say like, I'm decisive and Kevin's not or vice versa. We definitely have strengths and skills where we compliment each other, but just as a team, we, we often just talk about like, you just it's all about complementing each other, understanding how people's brains are wired from our people in marketing to finance, to brand, creative, culture, everything, logistics, operational, data-driven. When you start to complement all those different viewpoints, you start to look at all the different blind spots, Take you know, take an idea as an example for product launch, from branding to packaging, the actual product, the function of it, the market opportunity for it, the space, who it speaks to, the customers, the pain points, all that stuff. When you start combining all these different viewpoints and personalities around it, What's amazing is like how many, pretty much you always look at an idea is like, okay, what sucks about it? We don't ever really look at what's great about this. I think the more we focus on where do the areas of this could screw up or what would mess this up? Where is it bad? Why wouldn't customers like this? When you start highlighting those and you get all these different viewpoints on it, you just, you highlight all of the areas and you start to address those things. So I think that's one thing we, if I could, you know, pick another thing is, is doing that really well is checking each other's blind spots and having, I, I mentioned earlier, like having thoughtful disagreements about stuff. I was just reading a book called the, the Culture Code, and it just talks about Pixar. Two things I thought were really interesting with Pixar is that Toy Story is an example. Or every time they make a movie, they went on this crazy streak where they just had hit after hit after hit in the box office. And what they do is they, they take the first script, the first pass, and rather than just like they start making revisions and they just start editing and tweaking it, they go through, they almost rewrite every movie. Like Toy Story, the initial draft of it, Woody was a real jerk. And... <laughs> They read the first pass on it and they just completely rewrote the whole thing because they that's what they do is they look at it as like, why does this movie suck? And then they end up doing a whole different pass on it. And the other thing that was really interesting was when Disney bought Pixar, the same people at Disney who just made a whole bunch of duds and the same group of people who then went on to do Frozen and all of the other box office hits that they had after that. And 
the lesson in that, you know, it was around culture and things like that, but Pixar implemented their creative strategies and their collaborative strategies and how they go through this process. They had a term for it, like when they just pretty much look at things and figure out why it sucks. But what was interesting was just you can have a, a great idea, but you can have the wrong people or you can have an awesome group of people and a mediocre idea and they can take that mediocre idea, change the structure to it, make it into something great. And that really resonated because I think that's just so true within business, obviously, in startups. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like that mindset of questioning everything is so important. But what is it like when, obviously, you work with Kevin, he's one of your best friends. When you guys do have these disagreements in the office, do you kind of like brush it off then when you guys are out hanging out outside of the office? How do you have that balance between being co-founders and friends? Yeah, I don't know that I'll have a great answer to. I think it's one of those things like you almost have to just see it live. You know, there, there have been times when we're on calls with you, the whole team or a small group of the team where we passionately and emotionally are disagreeing and arguing with each other. And we have also a very unique way. What people then don't see is that we'll get on the phone. We always pretty much after every call, I feel like one of us calls the other person. And it's just honestly, it's as if nothing ever else is going on in our lives. We just can talk about more stuff about Beam or just something in our personal lives. And I'm trying to think we both share mutual best friends and they're all great. And we have great, honest, direct relationships. We don't work with any of them. So we also don't have that element. I think there's been so many shared experiences that him and I have gone through and experienced together just personally and professionally that it's just continued to stack up. We have, I mean, we just have a radically direct, honest communication with each other. And that goes into both beam and personal. And he calls me about something in his personal life or vice versa, or again, in beam, we just always say it straight. So it doesn't come out crooked. And it's almost like we have these unwritten rules with each other that just don't take anything personally. So if he tells me how stupid an idea that I have is, or I tell him how dumb his idea is, it doesn't take it personally. There's no offense. There's no ego to it. I think ego and greed go a long way, especially I think when you are co-founders and co-CEOs, there are a lot of people have opinions about those types of things. We don't really think of it as titles, but in the scenarios where that hasn't worked out, the people have pinpointed that ego and greed are the two main causes as to why co-founders or co-CEOs haven't worked out or they're not friends anymore. And yeah, we just, again, it's, it's like one of those things, like almost like seeing it in the, in real life, I guess, to explain it, but just like, it's, I would say it's radical transparency, radical honesty, and just like an insane amount of trust in each other. And it allows us, I guess, to do that. It's not, I would say it's not easy and it's not, I think even like sometimes in our team, like we're great. It's like a family and, and sometimes people can become too close of friends to have too direct of a conversation. So it's definitely, we appreciate it about it because it's definitely not an easy thing to achieve. Yeah. Well, no, 100%. And like Carly and I were best friends that started our podcast together. We've interviewed on here husbands and wives who are in mm-hmm. business together, mother and daughter, best friends, sisters. So I've noticed that you are, can be so successful in those relationships and in a business relationship because you can break that wall down and be really mm-hmm. honest or be blunt or just intertwining personal life also kind of humanizes your business partner and you can focus on work, but also just easily weave yeah. in and out of that. So I like that you called your team kind of like a family and that you're all really good friends. So I think that adds just a huge dynamic. One thing we do is a practical thing. And I think it really adds to it. We force the team to talk critically about each other, not like behind each other's backs. Like when we do, (laughs) you know, monthly check-ins with people, just tell us some critical feedback and we'll give you critical feedback. And it's not, again, not meant to hurt feelings or anything, but like, that's how I think how you learn and grow and think, and it goes into relationships too. I mean, that's essentially what it is. And, you know, if I don't know, in a real-time example, just yesterday chatting with someone on our team, wanted to ask her like, you know, give us some critical feedback. 
And I don't have any, it's like, you have to say something like that's how these conversations go. Cause it makes people uncomfortable. And she just ended up sharing, she, you know, as our business is growing and certain things are scaling, she does something in her business where she's wanting to have more, more FaceTime with us or zoom time these days. And not that we, again, like we're very flat, but she was more just like under the impression that, you know, maybe it's like, you know, I can't just go directly to Matt and Kevin or whatever. And we didn't know she was feeling that way. Now that we know she feels that way, now that we're aligned on that, it just, it'll create better outcomes. And so that's one thing I would just encourage that again, teams or personal relationships, family, significant others, just force each other to have, like say something critical, not to hurt my feelings, but to like, so I know how I can be better for you. It's kind of at the essence of that, but it's uncomfortable and people don't like to do that. I always say I want in my relationship with my boyfriend to have a meeting at the end of the week where we're like, what went well this week? What can we do? Like every relationship needs that. So I really like you're forcing your team to speak up. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny that I'm glad that you said that because I was going to ask how these different like principles that we're talking about in the workplace, how they could apply to relationships. And I believe you started the company after you had a breakup. Do you feel like that kind of like fueled your fire for starting something new because you played professional hockey and this was a big change for you. So what do you think kind of gave you that push? Did it have to do with changes in your personal life? Um, No, I think, you know, understand what your nature is and match your life to it. I just know how I'm wired. You just have entrepreneurial DNA in me, I guess, or just like wanting to do things like that. Yeah, I was engaged, not engaged anymore. Sure, that's a big change, but I don't think that I drew motivation out of that in the context of I worked harder than I normally would have, or I had more ambition than I did before. I think transitioning out of hockey, I hear a lot of athletes say too, especially when they've played for the majority of their life or played in collegiate or played professionally for a bit, it's like, I'll never be as passionate about something now going forward as I was about football or hockey or basketball tracks, whatever. And I didn't necessarily subscribe to that idea. And I think the thing that I learned about hockey wasn't so much like I had to play hockey because I just, it was like hockey that I was in love with and hockey was made me passionate. It was more, I broke it down just like the fundamentals of it, which was, you know, chasing a goal, creating a lifestyle, obviously doing something I enjoyed being around people, being on the team. It was more like, what are the elements of hockey that actually made me excited about it? And then I started to realize I can, I can tap or I can create those same elements or fundamentals or core things. I wasn't putting the jerseys and the skates and like, sure, I actually love the game, but it was more like the process of it, the process of chasing something, creating something. And that all can be replicated, obviously, in being an entrepreneur, being a founder of a business. And so once I figured that out, I didn't miss hockey so much. And I don't even really watch it or think of it anymore now. People ask me all the time if I still play or am I a Bruins fan or who do I think is going to win the Stanley? I don't even know who's in the, you know, I know it's the Stanley Cup players are going on now, but I don't really even know what's going on. Yeah, I guess going back to, I think it's more just like understanding, like what are the things that you make transitions in lives? Like what are the things that you enjoy doing? And then there's parallels and commonalities between things. It's not always just as black and white as it was sports or it was hockey. It was, there's fundamental things about hockey that I enjoyed that I can now do with being that's a great way to look at it and like really introspective because so many people who win sports or whatever it is takes up so much of their life when they're young they kind of have that identity crisis so it's a great thing that you were able to pinpoint really what did make you happy and then translate that but similarly like going from being an athlete as you were and then an entrepreneur business or whatever it was was consuming a lot of your life and required so much time and dedication I imagine so how do you balance the other areas of your life like your friendships your relationships you mentioned having a pretty serious relationship so how do how do all those puzzle pieces fit together when you are creating your baby of beam yeah I don't have a serious relationship 
anymore. That was the previous relationship. I always say that people ask me like about, I don't know that I am good at balancing stuff. I get it's kind of by design. I think, you know, getting out of a serious relationship and starting this business so much of my just time and energy wanted just to go into focusing on this and you know, get essentially getting it to where it is and then hopefully the next stage of where we want to get it to. So I think leadership sometimes has a price and having ambitious goals has has a price. I love Kevin and his wife, Brooke. I love their relationship. I think starting Beam, they were engaged or they had just gotten engaged and they got married about a year in. And I think it's different, obviously, you know, having started this with that type of foundation and that love that they have and that relationship they have. I think not starting with that, like the situation I was in being single, I haven't really allowed, this hasn't been a priority, I guess, in in my life to a degree. I think now where we are and with the size of the team and things like that, and it's not, it's a different phase where I, I, I guess can try to start to put more time and effort into those things. But and then people, you know, what do you do for fun? And I love hanging out with my, I you know, nieces and nephews now. And I love my family and I, I love being around my friends and, you know, I love, you know, exploring. I love to work out and those types of things, but I also love Beam. So I, I forgot what I was talking to you, but you're asking what I did last weekend. I was like, oh, I was reading about lifetime value and acquisition costs and subscription programs and data. <laughs> and I sat outside this nice cafe in LA and I had a great time. <laughs> so I don't know how to explain balance in my life, but I, I guess I just, I like to do things that I, I like to enjoy. And I think maybe sometimes people think that they're weird, but as I, I'm 33, so I, you know, I definitely want to prioritize obviously having a relationship in my life and start to probably put more time into other areas, I guess, as I can do a little bit better job at that. I think that was a great answer. When you said in the beginning that like people ask you how you balance it all and you don't know if you even do, I feel like people say that to me too. And for me, I feel like as long as I'm doing the things that I like to do and that I want to do, and I ha- make time to do most of them and see the people I want to see, then yeah, that's balance. But of course, yeah, then there are the things that sometimes you put on the back burner for a little while. I've definitely mm-hmm. been there before too. And you mentioned that you're close with your family. So are they all in the Boston area? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody lives in the South Shore about 30 minutes of Boston. And my, during COVID, my lease came up in seat in Boston. So I just, I got to spend extra time with them. Inspirate. One of my sisters just had a baby boy a few months ago. They each have a, a daughter and one just had a baby boy. Another one's having a boy in the fall. So I have to catch up a little bit, but um, it's nice to play uncle Matt. Yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I have four sisters and they all have multiple kids. So. <laughs> yeah. So you get it. <laughs> So is that where you picture yourself? Like you want to stay kind of like where Beam started and where your family is and everything like that? Answering that today, I would say, yeah. Beam, it's an interesting point. We're just all remote now. We've doubled the size of our team, I think, during COVID. We used to all be in Boston. Now we were all just kind of spread out. About half the team lives in the Boston area. We don't really have an office anymore. We have, you know, a small space that we call our HQ. But I'm in LA now. I had some some Beam things to do here. Also just rent an Airbnb for a bit because I like to be out here and, and see some different people. I don't know. I guess it just, I, I, I guess in a way I'm enjoying probably the flexibility that pre-COVID or, you know, in other scenarios, like not having the flexibility to do that. So I don't know, I'm kind of just enjoying exploring right now, but I think ultimately I envision with, you know, probably settling in Boston. Yeah. That's been the best part of this last year. Like any silver lining is just that we have so much more flexibility and I really honestly hope work never goes back to the same culture that it was. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's opening up like so many more opportunities and flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really has. But what's next for Beam? Do you have big plans for any new projects or anything exciting we can look out for? There's yeah, there's always on the short term, you know, we, we may do some things, you know, with product and dream towards the end of the year. It's interesting. We we launched a subscription program at the beginning of the year and 
that's been going well. And it's, it's been something that the, our customers have wanted just to make it easier to get their B monthly. But at the same time, it's also created a dynamic where it just creates a completely different business model. It's, hence why I was reading, spending my Sunday reading about lifetime value of customers and acquisition costs and retention and churn and subscriptions and all that fun stuff. A lot of our focus has gone into just making that the best program that we can. We've also hired a lot of people recently. We definitely have, there's some big partnership announcements that'll be coming out over the next few months. And then, you know, really, I think we're also at a point too, where it's really just about really focusing on execution. I think we did a good job in 2020, you know, expanding the products. We just, we launched the electrolyte line earlier this year, a few months ago. And now we sort of have this nice menu that we wanted to get to. I thought we got there at a good pace. And then now it's time. We don't want to be in the cycle of just constantly launching stuff because we really have a focus on simplicity and just doing things that make sense and add actual value. And you can constantly just create products, but we try to keep a pretty disciplined approach on that. Let's say we're kind of just an execution mode right now, not to sound like there's, you know, we're boring, you don't have anything exciting going on, but there's definitely plenty that we're keeping busy with. Yeah, that's all exciting. That's actually another thing I want to ask about before we switch over to close with our rapid fire questions. I was curious about, because you just mentioned partnerships, how do you guys, is that something that you knew a lot about beforehand? Obviously you guys were athletes and then you started working with a lot of athletes. Is that what kind of led to you wanting to go down that road? We didn't know anything about anything that we're doing when we started being it. <laughs> no manufacturing, nothing about products, CPG, CBD, partnerships, influencers, all that stuff. So that was kind of all figuring out on the fly and just the hard way. But the process with partnerships has really evolved. I think we probably were a little naive our backgrounds as professional athletes, how that would have that would have helped us or even just our networks to help us start getting these partnerships, especially early on when we're so young and you know had just launched and CBD even a couple of years ago to, or even just a year ago is even more confusing than it is today. The fact that we could, you know, look people in the eye and say, we understand about your training, drug testing, how important is what you put in your body, how important sleep is, how important X, Y, and Z is. That was really relatable. So that really helped have conversations and have serious conversations with some pretty serious athletes, whether it be a CrossFit, the NFL, the NHL, you know, running now, et cetera. So I guess from a business standpoint, just like the process of it all, like we didn't have any structure to, you know, building our partnership or influencer program. We were just bringing people into the brand left and right, people we thought would be great. We weren't so focused on the data and the return on ad spend and marketing budget. I don't know if we've even had a marketing budget in the early days. Now it's a much, it's more of an art and there's much more structure. Devin, our team leads all of that with some help from other people on our team. She's done an amazing job. And I think the cool thing that we've done with it and what we've learned is we, we really, we take more of like a land and expand approach to things. So CrossFit, just as an, as an example, is one of the first communities we went deep into where we work with all the top athletes and then we've expanded like deep into the community, either through events or the Matt Frazier's and the Catrins and Brooks and Tia's and Amanda's, but also say they're all like the top five, top 10 athletes. Then it's like the top 10 to like a hundred athletes. And again, just like being involved in the CrossFit games and collaborating with other brands in the CrossFit space. And now we're starting to mimic that in different communities, both in sports, but also just like wellness and yoga and, you know, young moms and things like that. So it's, again, we, we didn't really, I guess it's have evolved it over time. Yeah. I was going to say, this is like, if there's one takeaway from this episode, I feel like anyone listening, if you want to start a business, even if you don't know anything about it, a couple of years later, you could know a whole lot. You've definitely <laughs> yeah. learned like things you were saying about CBD earlier for someone who in 2018 didn't know anything about CBD. It's just really cool that if you're passionate and you have that grit and drive, then you can really make it happen. So very, very cool. 
Otherwise you wouldn't start anything. I, w- I had the same reaction to what you just said. Like you joked, you didn't know anything about anything, but if you are one of those people that gets so held up on those things, then you would never start. So I think it just yeah. exactly what Carly says. It just goes to show that if yeah, you have you an idea, just perfect. make it happen. Yeah. Well, the, the story, I think you, you mentioned Carly was just, you know, in the early days we had a really close, you know, I call him a friend slash mentor, but close friend, Bruce, we went to him, He's a very successful entrepreneur and business person in his own right. And so we're just going to him, telling him all the things we learned about CBD. You know, we thought we were pretty smart. And he kind of was just like, okay, these ideas are great, but like, can you actually go launch this business? I'll challenge you guys to see if you can put all these ideas that you have and launch Beam. And I don't even know if we had the name Beam at the time. Launch this in 21 days. I think being athletes, being competitive, we're just like, okay. Um, and again, to make it practical, the thing I shared earlier, which was, you know, here's what we want to do and what are the things that we need to do in order to do that? And then to start doing those things. And at that time it was really basic. It was obviously things like coming up with a name. I think we, you know, as an LLC at first, it was, you know, branding, getting the labels designed, getting a domain emails, like all the basic things with, you know, bank accounts, things like that. And just made a list of all of the things we grouped them obviously into different buckets based on what they were. And then it was just just simple as just going down, checking off a list, going through them. If something wasn't working, we would change the strategy or change the approach. And we went back to them and we launched, I think the actual first batch of products arrived the 23rd day or something. So we're pretty, pretty darn close to 21 days, but, and that was a sprint. That wasn't easy. That wasn't just doing a couple of things a day. That was a pretty aggressive sprint. But again, it's just like that practical tip of, what is your goal? What is the thing that you want to do? Start with five action items or five things that can start moving you towards that. They don't even have to be right. You just have to be really good at paying attention to the, to the results that you're getting from those things. And then just constantly revolving that strategy. We do that same thing now with Facebook ads. We're constantly looking at data, which ones are performing, which ones not, what creative can we tweak, what ad spend, you know, all the different things, branding, packaging, different groups of influencers, like everything is about just moving and then get the data lean into what's working, change what's not working. And then it's just like a constant cycle of that. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations to you and Kevin, because you've clearly made all the right decisions. But yeah, next we always, time we have to have Kevin on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we always like to close our episodes with just a few rapid fire questions to get to know you a little more personally. So to kick it off. A little nervous. <laughs> oh no, they're, they're fun. No, no need to be nervous. <laughs> What is one food you can't live without? See, that's a harmless one. Big chocolate chip cookie fan. Mm, what kind? Or do you make I'm in LA and at the Air One grocery store, they have, I think the brand is delicious. Although I am now a big fan of this new cookie dough called Toto, T-O-T-O. My God, I don't um, know either friends, Check out Toto. I'm friends with the founder, Sydney. She has an amazing story. And this isn't very rapid fire, but um, <laughs> she was making cookies and she's rebranding it as Toto and it's cookie dough, it's vegan, it's healthy for you, has adaptogens and it's super, super yummy. So it launches, I think this weekend or Monday. I feel like I need to go to LA just to go to Air One because every time I see someone posting about it, I'm like, that's like my place. It's insane, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this one is kind of random, but I'm just curious. Would you rather, would you, are you like a workout from home person or would you rather go to a gym or a workout class? Workout from home. Workout from home. I don't like working out with people. (laughs) And is it like a cross, is CrossFit your choice? Is CrossFit, CrossFit something you can do at home or is that only yeah. on gym? Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> I don't you can know do anything it. about it. Don't you need yeah. a lot of equipment, <laughs> bands? No, no, it, it's more like, I would say CrossFit's more of like a style of workout. You can definitely do body weight and things like that. And then of course, if you have weights and access to like 
more equipment, but no, it can definitely be done body weights, more of a style, I would say of type of workout, but I don't like working out with people generally. I would definitely rather work out from home and CrossFit and running would be my two choices. I'm with you. I've been loving working out from home. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> what is one must have quality in a significant other? I would say outside just like the core attributes of loyalty, trust, being kind, things like that. I would say someone who is really curious, I guess. Someone who has, I don't know if I call it like a growth mindset, but someone who's just like constantly interested in wanting to improve, whether it be as a significant other, their whatever their passion is, their life, something. I think that's very attractive. That's one of our favorite answers. We love when people say something about somebody who wants to grow. Everyone should want to commit to personal growth in the relationship and outside of the Agreed. relationship. So that's a good one. Agreed. What is your favorite method of self-care? Meditating. Do you meditate every day? Pretty, yeah, uh, uh, pretty, not, I wouldn't say every day. I wouldn't give myself a hundred percent or day <laughs> plus plus score, but I would, I'm pretty consistent with it. It's one of those things that I try to do and it's tough. It's a tough thing to get yourself up to do every day or whatever time you're putting it's like working out though. In. I feel like once you're in this, like yeah. in the flow of it and doing it almost every day, mm -hmm. then it becomes hopefully easier. Hopefully. It definitely does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the best trip you've ever been on? The first thing that's popping in mind is Kevin's wedding. It was at Turks and Caicos and it was at the Amanyara and had like little villas and huts. And it was just all of our best friends were there. The weather obviously was amazing. So that one, that one pops in my head. All right. What are you a morning or a night person? And what's the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing before you go to bed? It was an easy plug for beam. I'm a morning person. The first thing I do is I drink a big thing of water. Then I make a bulletproof coffee and then... Before bed, I always have my beam dream. Love that. Do you put CBD in your coffee? I meant to ask about that earlier. I don't add it in my coffee, but I take my I take our focus capsules. Okay. <laughs> and our favorite question for our guests, what advice would you give to your younger self? That's a good question. It's funny. We were just talking about it would be fun to do this with our team, which would be what would you tell yourself, you know, whether you've been here for, you know, the whole time, two and a half years or four months what would you tie yourself on day one of beam? But in that context, I think just trust the process. I think I say trust, you know, something I would tell my younger self, I think, you know, when I was in high school, then college, then even the first few years after that, things just seem very gray. You don't see how the dots are connect, going to connect. But I think if you just trust your intuition and you make the best decisions you can at the time, looking back, you can just see how the dots connect. I don't know that I would have seen to a degree I, I'm doing what I wanted to be doing, but obviously not knowing exactly how I would have gotten there, you know, knowing it was going to be a CBD company or all those things. But I think just trust the process. I think that's been something, you know, in the short term, you're trying to achieve something maybe, you know, within business in a year or again, being in college and trying to figure out 10 years, 20 years from now or, or whatever. I think work hard and follow your gut and your intuition. I think things end up connecting somehow and you don't quite see it, but if you just trust the process, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah, that's very good advice. I feel like trusting your intuition is like another muscle that you have to build. Like it's definitely mm -hmm. not something that comes easily at all. And then final, final question. What's your favorite beam product? I do use a lot of beam. I always <laughs> have a hard time picking one. Forced just to pick one, I would pick beam dream. Two reasons. One is it really does help you sleep better. And I do have a sweet tooth and it really just satisfies my sweet tooth. So I don't need too many cookies or cookie dough. Uh, just put it right bed. in the cookie dough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dream cookies. Do you ever have the caps? The, there's Dream capsules too, right? 
Yeah, I, I sometimes I pack like if I'm traveling or something. If I'm not going to have, it's not going to be easy to make the the powder or if I, you know have hot water or something like that. I really need that beam dream drink because I struggle with falling asleep and that just sounds amazing. We'll I haven't tried that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, tell everybody where to find you. So beam is at beamtlc.com or just at beam on Instagram. And then my Instagram is Matt Lombardi, the number 24. What's 24? Well, that was my college hockey number. Sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Matt. This was so fun and it was, you have such a great story. So I'm glad you shared it with us. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Thank you so much. 